Lisa, if I may call you that. How are you doing? Very well, and it's great to talk to you, Brian. I love the podcast, and I'm a big podcast junkie, so it's always great to find another one, especially a Canadian one. Oh, thanks. That's uh, that's huge praise. We might have to get you back in the future as well. Um, so let's start with growing up in Kitchener and your move to Ottawa. Why why Ottawa? Well, I was living in France, actually. When I was 18, I moved to France, fell in love with the French culture and basically wanted to stay there. And my parents said, look, you want to go to, you still want to study journalism? You got to get back to Canada and get to school. So University of Ottawa was the only bilingual university and had a fabulous program in communication. And it was a city I always loved. And I felt that it was really the heart of Canadian politics, obviously, but also just culturally so much more happening than, you know, and I felt that it was the right fit for me when I was leaving France to fall back into a, you know, a bilingual but largely French environment. It was just a really great fit. And then I, I loved it so much. Not only did I go to school there at the University of Ottawa, but I also worked part-time many years at the Chateau Laurier. Uh, I cleaned rooms every Saturday and Sunday. That was my school job. <laughs> I was worked on the concierge floor. And I also worked at the National Arts Centre when I was in university in their playbill department, their communication department. So I had a lot of ties with the with the city even before I was an a, an actual journalist and went back to Ottawa as a correspondent for CTV on Parliament Hill. Now, see, that's very interesting that you went from France back to Ottawa. Now, I'll, I'll give you the knock that you're a University of Ottawa alumni because I'm Carlton. And there's that little bit of a rivalry, but your there aunts, is. Your but it's aunts, a healthy rivalry. Every community in this country should welcome such a university rival. Two such robust schools, but my heart is with Ottawa U. I have to tell you, and and that's fine. I mean, your answer for the reason why is good. Because if you just had to say that you chose it because you didn't like Carlton, I would have been like, "That's it. That's it. Enough, Lisa. This conversation." No, I will say I was even I was accepted at Carlton Journalism, and I realized even from France, this was long before Google, but I obviously knew as far as journalism goes, Carlton was the sort of the school that was the premier journalism school, but I, I couldn't get past being at a, at a, I wanted to be in a French and English environment. And that was my main reason to, to go to Ottawa U and it never let me down. And, and that's a fair point. I won't hold anything against you for that one. <laughs> Um, Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> now, now, once you were done at University of Ottawa, you began your career back home at CTV as a copywriter and script assistant, correct? That's right. I actually also, through university, worked for CFUO, which was the university radio, and had my own show. So I had been able in those four years during school to get used to, and I think you will understand this just with the podcast, but you have to get used to your own voice, (laughs) and you have to learn how to write fast and all those things that radio teaches you. And when I got to Kitchener desperate for an actual job, there were no jobs. Sound familiar? It's you know I always say to students when they're say they graduate and they have there are no jobs I say well in 1988 it was the same 
thing. It was, it's felt the same way. It's all relative. But if you want something badly enough, you'll get it. You know, it just is a matter of waiting it out. But I did get a job four hours on a Saturday and four hours on a Sunday uh, writing international copies. So 15 second copy stories. Then I would print the scripts and race them up to the studio for the anchors to read. And uh, it was a good way in the door. And then I started working at the radio station, which was also part of the same company back in the day. Managed to slide into radio news. And then one day I got a call saying, can you fill in for someone? The Saturday night TV reporter had called in sick and I had never done television. And I thought, yes, of course I can do it. No problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think I was shaking in my boots. But uh, so I did it. And then it, it just parlayed. Here we are almost 30 years later. That seems unbelievable. But that was 1988. Now, you mentioned in your answer there that a lot of young people will come up to you and mention like how do you get your foot in the door how do you get a job and you say you know back in 1988 it was just as hard as trying to get your foot in the door today how has the media changed since then well it's changed hugely obviously there are a lot more platforms for journalists to tell their stories to write for various you know whether it's online on tv or in print yes it's shrinking there's no doubt about it advertising dollars are deeply affecting everything we do but i don't believe the need for journalism will ever decrease in fact if anything i always say about president donald trump he's been the best thing for our industry <laughs> because everybody is hungry for news 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 so these days it's about finding the platform that's a good fit you know things like podcasts Things like online, uh, you know, Huffington Post and the various different sites that exist now certainly did not exist in 1988. It was there was a local TV station and a local radio station and a local newspaper. And that was it. So, you know, it's a bit of perspective to think of the, the levels now we can keep working toward to get a job. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that answer. Now, in 1997, you moved out to become an anchor. What prompted that move? Actually, I didn't move to become an anchor. I got a call from the network asking, would I be interested in coming to Toronto for a, a job interview, which, you know, obviously was the phone call that changed my life on a lot of levels. And I came down to Toronto and it was to be a consumer reporter for national news. And the weekend anchor on CTV News Channel was just firing up at that moment. And uh, so it was an interesting hybrid job of reporting in the week for the national news and then on weekends anchoring for this brand new cable channel. And uh, it was awesome to be there at the very beginning. Uh, news World was already on the air for many years. So we were definitely the underdog working to create something meaningful and you know it's been how many years how many years is that now 20 years that news channel's been on the air and and it's just going gangbusters so but that's why i came because it was a bigger opportunity and more of a challenge certainly took me longer to get to work than it did in kitchener but uh it was worth it i'll tell you it parlayed into an an absolutely incredible career to be honest i also read that you also co-hosted canda am in the early 2000s what was that like and what did you enjoy about that job 
Well, that's an interesting question because I had been working in Ottawa on Parliament Hill for CTV and I absolutely loved the job. It was a very charged time in Canadian politics. There was the Canadian Alliance and the union between the, the uh, you know, the cons- on the conservative side. And it was a, an amazing time to be covering politics. And then I got a call, would I be interested in co-hosting Canada AM, which was... Uh, you know, a robust and incredible morning program, a news program that I'd watched my whole life. It's one of those, here's the cliche for you, a job you can't refuse, you can't turn down. It was just a great opportunity. But I realized, wow, I'm leaving the field, which I loved, and going into a studio. So I get there on September 10th, 2001, and I do the morning show first time ever and it it was it was you know strange different environment and i'm questioning oh did i do the right thing and the very next day of course at 8 43 in the morning i get a note or someone in my the producer in my ear saying a plane has just crashed into one of the world trade centers one of the buildings and i remember at that time we didn't know anything it was live and we said okay well going into break well there's something happening in manhattan we'll get back to you right after this commercial break and of course that truly was the single event that changed everybody's life the second plane crashed into the north tower we were live through all of it we did a marathon broadcast and by three o'clock that afternoon i was in a car with a producer heading to New York City. And we got there at one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning and wandering through the streets of, of Wall Street down around the trade centers. It was just a surreal experience. And we spent the next two weeks reporting live from the streets of New York as this horror story unfolded. And so it was interesting because for me professionally, I was, I was reporting again, but then using my reports for our morning show. And I, I still do that to this day. It was a kind of a hybrid that's never left me. So even now when there's major news events, we take the whole show there and I report as well as anchor. So it was a great experience, Canada AM. It was two years that I felt was enough. I wanted to get back into the field and, uh, and I loved it, but it was time. After two years, I realized I, there was too much happening in the Middle East and, and I just wanted to get back to Iraq and Afghanistan. So that's what I did. Went, then started, just did 12 years of basically foreign correspondence and wherever the news happened, I just jumped on a plane and went to it. So it was a really incredible decade for me. You just mentioned about the September 11th attacks, the Iraq war. You covered other huge stories as well, such as like Hurricane Katrina was another one of the big Mm. stories. You've also interviewed the likes of Justin Trudeau, Stephen Harper, Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, Paul McCarthy. I, I could go on and on, but who are some of your favorites that you interviewed? Mm, my favorites. That's tough to say because every interview, I feel you get something. I get something out of it. There's some reason why I leave that interview thinking, oh, obviously, as I'm sure you get, there's going to be questions you didn't get to ask, or especially when it's a high-profile politician or world leader, they give you 15 minutes, and it's really frustrating because 
I walk in there with 45 questions and I'm allowed to, in the end, ask five because the art of politics is that they take five minutes to answer every question, right? So, I don't know. I mean, who who stands out for me? Uh, Colin Powell stands out. He This was in the days where the U.S. claimed there were weapons of mass destruction, and I had the world exclusive with him right at that moment, and that was an incredible thing. I remember leaving that interviewing thinking, wow, he, he's never said this before, that they're going to go for it. They're going to invade Iraq, and it was, a, it, it was quite a, an amazing interview and um, so many Benjamin Netanyahu was a fascinating man to talk to Paul McCartney you've mentioned him was incredible because of course I was a huge Beatles fan still am it's hard for me to pinpoint because they all I all of them offer something every time you sit and talk to someone about their life you get more back than you know you could imagine all right. No, I agree. I, I agree. When uh, when we have interviews like yourself or Peter Mansbridge or anyone that we've done in the past, I mean, you've got so many questions you want to ask, but you're very limited and you want to make sure that the ones you ask are good questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. easy to ask anyone, do you like pineapples on pizza? But that's a wasted <laughs> question. Exactly. Um, I agree. In Canada, the three major networks have female anchors. Do you think females have more opportunity to succeed in journalism now than, say, when you first started? Certainly now more than when I first started. There's no doubt about that. Um, The fact that women, two women are anchoring the major newscasts in the evening is significant. We also at CTV have a female news president. And uh, and I I think we're better than the U.S. as far as percentages go on um, where women have been able to move in journalism in this country. But I think we're still a long way from being, uh, you know, in the boardroom and running these media companies. So it's it's not over ever. I mean, that's just the normal, I guess, in time. But we've done dramatically more in this industry than than in 1988 when I first started. There's just no debating that. And I I mean, I, I have to say I grew up in a family of all girls. So it was never about you're a woman, you can't do this. We were raised like boys almost like there's nothing you can't do. And I never, ever thought about being a woman as being an obstacle. It just, I just wasn't raised that way. And so while I recognize it and see it and have seen it over these 30 years, I really believe in the, you know, just work hard, keep your head down, and it will eventually pay off for you if if that's your focus, just doing a good job and not thinking about whether you're a man or a woman. Because I've certainly been able, I've been in as many war zones as my male colleagues. It's never even been an issue for me at CTV. So I should knock on wood for that. And I mean, that goes right into the next question here, because you mentioned you were raised to believe that, you know, the the sky is the limit or that you can reach your full potential. It doesn't matter what uh, gender you were or male, female, you can do it as long as you believe in it. And mm-hmm. 2014, you won a Canadian Screen Award for Best National News Cast and Best News Anchor. What was that like? Well, I have to say I'm honored to say I've won it um, three years in a row, the best anchor and, and the newscast. And it, it, since I've been the anchor, we've we've got an incredible team. I, I couldn't do this without this amazing group of people that I work with, not just in our Toronto studio, the ones who 
help me every night put the show on the air. But the reporters around the country and around the world, honestly, it is, I always say this, we're the hardest working team in TV, but I think it's a passion. And that, so when some kind of wonderful accolade comes my way, I always think, well, this is really a result of the team. And I'm the front man for it, so I'll walk up and accept it. But it's really just thanks to this incredible team. Honestly, uh, we have laughs, we work hard, it's a typical newsroom environment. I just am very fortunate to be with such a hardworking team who love news. Some days I feel like it's not even a job because you'd be doing it anyway. I'm I'm sure you're the same. You just, it's either in your blood or it isn't to be a news junkie, you know? So, you know, I managed to get paid for something I love to do. It's a bonus. And the last question I got here for you, Lisa, is, you know, we know you as a news anchor. We know you as delivering, like, the hard stories. But there's got to be more to Lisa LaFlamme than just news. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, how about the fact that I am a, I, I am a frustrated lounge singer? You may, you may not have realized that, Brian. And if you ever do a, you know, news people who like to sing, I know there's a lot of us out there. And uh, I think that's a great stress reliever, although my newsroom colleagues would probably say, will she please stop singing Cher? It gets probably gets a little tiresome, but <laughs> they're used to it by now. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Lisa Laflamme for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.